Hello and welcome to Oki Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Pac. And I'm Insane Paulson. Welcome to Oki Anime. Last week you joined us for our trailer, and this week we are going to be discussing the anime Ungo. This anime is created by Studio Bones, created in October of 2011, 11 episodes long. The genre is mystery, sci-fi, supernatural, drama, and psychological. Alright, Insane. I just want to know what you thought about the first two episodes of the show. The first two episodes of the show, huh? Well, I didn't like the animation. I can tell you that. Um, <clears throat> Inga piqued my interest a lot. A lot. Like, who the fuck is Inga? Why are they basically partners and how did that come to be? That was my main question for the first episode. And you know, that was a big part of my issue with the show was that there was no backstory to anything. You didn't know no who char- anybody was. It honestly seemed like there was a prequel to this show. Yeah, there was no character building at all in this show. Yeah, the first two episodes were actually terrible for me. Oh, yeah, it, it was bad. It, I was just like, all right, what the hell's going on? I really wanted to drop it. And honestly, I would have if I was not required to do this yep, right now. Yep. This episode, uh, this show would have been dropped. 100%. 100%. I agree with that. And now with all that being said, why don't we just go ahead and introduce some characters from our notes? Uh, That's a good idea. All right. So the main characters of the story, we had we ran into Rikai Show, which was the daughter of chairman Rinroku Kaisho, who is a very well-known tech guru. And then we also got introduced to Shinjuro Yuki, where he was the detective, the defeated detective. Yes. And he ended up being our main character. Yes. We also ran into his partner, or boss, Inga. Inga. Inga has the power to pull out the truth with any one question. And Inga transforms into another form. Yes. Yes, she does. I was so confused. I actually thought Re and her father were the main characters when we started this off. Yep, I thought so too. And I I've... thought that Shinjuro was just somebody. I thought he was going to be the bad guy. I thought he was going to be the one. I thought, I honestly, I didn't know what to think because I've never really watched a mystery type anime before. <laughs> I haven't either. Like This was one of the first. So for my first mystery anime, um, if if their if their objective was to confuse everybody, then great fucking show. But other than that, I I wouldn't recommend the show at all. Not if I was based off of the first two, I wouldn't have either. But I'll say this: on the first episode, I predicted who exactly who the killer was. The second episode, whenever the daughter came into the picture, yep. I predicted exactly who the killer was. Yep. But I got my motives completely wrong. The motives were terrible. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I I didn't predict anything because, honestly, I was lost the whole fucking time. Yeah. No, I was too. It, 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 uh, <laughs> this is a very hard one for me to get through. You know me and my shitty takes. Yeah, I know. I know. I know in episode one, in my opinion... The wife killed her husband because she thought he was a hero and she wanted him to die a hero. But the thing was that her husband wasn't a hero. And after his death was announced, 
he still he did die a hero. But then she killed her husband for nothing. Yep. For absolutely nothing. Yeah, no reason at all. And it was the same with the second episode. Yeah. The mother died for no reason. The daughter killed her. Yep. I thought that was... The second episode, it was pretty crazy to me. Because I was just like, damn, this bitch just killed her mom for no fucking reason. Because the whole reason behind her not singing was because the government had a conspiracy theory against idol stars. Yeah. Or whatever you call them, idols. Idols, yeah. But the thing was, was that she was never a part of the idols. Just her voice, though. Yeah, it was just her voice, but she never was. Yeah, and... It started at a very young age, too, didn't it? Yes. So she really didn't know what was going on. (laughs) Why did she kill her mom again? She killed her mom because she wouldn't allow her to be an idol. I got you. Yep. I remember now. And she basically killed her for no reason, though. Yeah, she did. So, Hawk, what did you think of episode three? Episode three was the first episode where I really actually got into it. Yeah, me too. Yep. This episode was <laughs> awesome to me. I was very confused at first. At, at the end of episode three, that's I liked. I actually liked episode three quite a bit. You know, I thought this anime was going to be a different, a different case every single time. Yeah, I thought this was gonna be like CSI. Yeah, that's what I that's what I picked up. So then, whenever we came into episode three, it started off as the new one. Episode three ended, and we learned that this is actually a continuation. Yep. yep. But this episode was based off the Sasa family. And who's in the Sasa family part? The first character we got introduced to was Kigihiko Sasa. He is the brother of Kanamori, the head of the family. Then we got introduced to Itoji, which was his wife. The widow. And then his son, Fumihiko, which is his real son. Then we got introduced to Mitsuko, which was his daughter. And then we find out about Kazumori. Kazumori. His adopted son, as they say. As they say. The weird part about this episode was that Kazumori was actually his adopted son, right? Right. But he got selected as head of the household. Which isn't normal. No, not at all. So Kanamori created the RAIs, and they the government ended up banning them because people were using them for violence and public indecency acts. Now, talking about the public indecency acts, I just want to ask what you would do with an RAI box. Uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably be one of those stupid fucks that'd be uh, self-pleasure. <laughs> oh, I know what you would do, you dirty dog. I'm a dirty little bastard. So in this episode, we come into the whole Sasa family. They're in a group meeting. We find out that Kanamori ended up getting blown up in his house. And this is whenever the adopted son, Kazumori, ends up becoming the head of household. It seems like they completely forgot that they had a real son to take as the lead. <laughs> Talk about the ultimate burn. So during this family meeting, the lights go out. Yes. And all of a sudden, the daughter decides to go out there outside and look. And whenever she goes out there, she sees Kazumori just standing up and he holds up his hand. T- basically tells her to stop. Yep. Don't go no further. Exactly. So he's stopping her. 
So Taku came and retrieved Kazumori. Taku is the living doctor. He's treating Kazumori's illness, which is one reason why he's never around the family. Right. So once Kazumori goes back into his bedroom, all the lights come back on. Mm-hmm. Later that night, he comes running out of his room ablaze. He's caught on fire. Yep. No reason why, or no idea why. And we come to find out that this is the same exact day that his father died. I think it was seven years ago. Yep. And the family thinks this is a curse because it's like to the day that his dad died, right? Yeah. So he's ablaze. His family comes rushing out to check on him. Fumihiko's the last one out there. And that's the real brother, right? That's the real brother. All right. And he, he just walks out like he's just like, meh, he's on fire. So what type of thing? So, so my type of thoughts with, with this was he was so lifeless. He didn't really care. Right. He wasn't worried. Yep. Yeah. I'm automatically assuming this guy is the one that's, that murdered him. Yep, me too. I, 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 see, I see that. And you know, he does have a reason. Oh, and it's he, every, every motive in the book. He he's has. the next in line. Yep. Who else would be? So just as I thought, he does become the next head of household. I can't remember when this happened, but sometime in this ep- at the end of this episode or the beginning of next episode, we find out that Kazumori was never actually an adopted brother. He was actually one of Kanamori's RAIs. Right. Kanamori's wife actually knew about this because her and his brother found the parts in the room. Yeah, she uh, went in there looking for something and then come to find out the whole damn dresser and all that had a bunch of arms, <laughs> arms and, and legs. legs and heads and shit. <laughs> so uh, she, she was trying to cover it up by saying it was a family curse when he was on fire. Yeah. So we continue into episode four, and basically the gist of the story is that Kanamori, the head of the household, never actually died. He faked his death. He faked his death because the government actually wanted to use his RAI bots as weapons, and that's not something he wanted. It went against his morals. His very fucked up morals at that. While he's over there using Cosmori to transfer him between bodies to run his house and all this other stuff from underground. Yep. He's using Cosmori as basically a sex slave down in his dungeon. Yep. But now everybody's shown up. They're going to arrest Cosmori for faking his death and other reasons, I guess. Yep. So the cops are in there. They put handcuffs on a refrigerator, which I died laughing at because I really thought they were going to end up arresting the RAI. But transferred into a teddy bear. Itty bitty teddy bear. Itty bitty teddy bear. And Shinjuro decides to take it with them. So when Shinjuro does this, they're getting into the car, right? They wake up in the car or something because they, I don't know. The scene starts off in a car. It's Inga, it's Yuki, and the little bear. And this little bear, she's a 
horny little bastard. She's a little freak, man. She started sucking on his finger, talking about how she can pleasure him, and no matter what form she's in. Oh, yeah, threw his ass up against the seat. I'll tell you right now, Shinjuro looked like he was enjoying the hell out of it. (laughs) He's a horny bastard, too. So let's hop into episode five. Episode five, it's implied in the very beginning that Japan is losing the war, but there's a, I don't even know what he was. Was he a colonel, general, something like that? He he wanted to create a memorial for, what was it, three soldiers? Yeah, he was a preacher. Oh, he was a preacher. Okay. Yeah. And they were doing something. So uh, come to find out there was a bomb. In this building, and then he talked to these three dudes into getting in this truck that the bomb was in and driving off and exploding. And that's what led to this memorial. So he creates the memorial, and in this episode, we run across the woman. I cannot remember what her name is, but she is the artist of it. And she had a little a hidden chamber inside yep. of the statue, right? Yep. Well, there were three dead bodies inside of it two. Oh, two. Two. okay two, two dead bodies inside of it so i'm going to backtrack here for a second he wasn't a preacher he was a political party leader yep and his son his name was juro and he was the one who came up with this plan for the two guys that were supposed to be in the trojan horse mm-hmm. so the reason why he sent those two guys to this place was because apparently there were a lot of gold bars that he wanted to steal Gold bars gives him the motive to off somebody. So I thought maybe he got a, a hold of those gold bars and he ended up killing the other two so he didn't have to share the right. wealth. Yep, that's what I gathered. So we come to find out that the sculptor was actually the murderer in this case. I really don't understand what the motives were or I just misunderstood them, but I remember her saying that she didn't believe they were true heroes and that they were crying to come home. And I just, I don't get why that would cause her to murder these people. Um, I'm not sure. I think what it was, in my head, she killed these guys because they were out there at the memorial thingy. And the reason why she put that little crate, or a little whole thing in the bottom where the bodies were so they could put the gold there or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the motive was. All I know is that I don't think it was for a good reason again. No, definitely not. There was no motives there. Um, so but, what was cool, though, was she sliced one of the guys' neck open, and it looked like on the statue, it was a teardrop coming yep. down his face. Yep. So whenever she said it was he was crying to come home, it kind of made sense in a way, but the thing was, it was on accident. And Shinjuro actually thought it was a part of it as well. He thought it was like an artist thing. Yeah. All in all, I didn't understand one bit of this episode. And I'm completely with you, so let's move on to episode six, which was even more confusing. (laughs) All right, so we have Yajima. And here's where the confusion comes in. Yajima was a critic. He was in a correctional center. Don't know why, but he had a guy there with a, one of his books, and it had one of his notes in there. 
And the note stated, what now, Insane? It, stated, it said, I'll be at the usual place. Yes, so it said, I'll be at the usual place. And his wife's name is, what is it, Takako? Takako, sure, okay. So sure, Takako is blind anyway. So while Yajima was in this correctional center, Takako had her children taken away, and during this time, she also went blind. It seems like they're a war-torn family. They got their children taken. Maybe they died. We don't know yet. And as his wife lost her eyesight, do we know at this time if it was due to war? No, we don't. So I'm lost a little bit in the timeline on this episode because I cannot remember exactly everything. But I know that Renroku got introduced in this episode and somehow he was involved with Takako. Yep. That's what I gathered from it. And I think that Yajima, he figures it out too. Yeah. So he's an assumption that Renroku is fucking his wife. Yep. <laughs> right? So that's basically what I gathered from that note yep. being in uh, Renroku's book and all that crap. Yep. And then Yajima, he suspects his wife got rid of the kids so that way there's no strings attached. Yep. But she got the kids taken away because of neglect. Yes. There was neglect there. That's, that's exactly what happened. And I remember from the episode they were sleeping in the bed and he put his hands around her neck and was going to kill her. Yep. But backed off. Yep. So he backed off. But here's here was the weird part for me was that Takako was under investigation for child neglect, which she ended up getting the kids taken away and Renroku was behind that. Yep. And then when she realized what she was doing, which was the child neglect, she blinded herself. By smashing a rock into her face. Oh, I remember now. Yep. I yep. remember. So the children were found because there were all the notes left in the books telling their secret coded messages that yep. Renroku solved, correct? Yep. Renroku's that big brain guy. Yep. So Renroku ended up finding the children pinned under a vehicle. They weren't injured, but he knew the condition of Takako and took the children to a care facility. Rinroku says a uh, quote in this episode that I liked a lot. He said, uh, without love, life wouldn't exist. What a meaningful quote by this guy. Hey, that's deep as fuck. That is deep as fuck. I like that a lot. I do too. And I did not even catch that. I don't know if it's because I watched sub versus your dub. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, we may have got different stories a little bit because dubbed and subs don't always coincide with each other. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of mismatched stuff sometimes. Yeah, because a lot of stuff that you're saying today is, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't catch or I didn't even see. Yeah, maybe maybe we do see a little bit of a different thing. Maybe we should start doing sub and sub if you can read fast enough. I went to dubs because I couldn't read these damn subs fast enough. There was like a half a second per paragraph, goddammit. Fucking baka. <laughs> Fuck you. So at the very end of this episode, we see Shinjuro at what looks like to be a jail. And he's talking to somebody that's a self-proclaimed author. He uh, calls himself the novelist. Yes, and what he's trying to do is, it seems like to me, he's trying to pull strings from behind bars. Yep. He's chosen Shinjuro as the last great detective, quote-unquote. 
And if you notice behind him, he's got what looks like to be an Inga of his own. Yes, a demon of some sort. Yeah. Uh, her name's Betano. Yep, so we move into episode 7 at this point, and this is where we're introduced into Betano's story, which was honestly very interesting to me. Like, this, is, this was the peak of the anime. Yep. This episode 7 and episode 8, I was very confused, but episode 8 is where I really got into it. Episode 8, is from there on, was amazing. It, it This is where the anime really started to turn around for me, too, because uh, I was starting to get invested in it. <laughs> yep, I'm completely with you. So, at the end of the last episode, we saw Shinjuro, he went into, like, a daze. We don't know what happened, but I assumed automatically that it was that demon girl behind him. Yep. Because we know what Inga can do. She's got this telekinesis power we saw earlier. We, she has the power to get the truth from any one question one time to anybody in this world. Yep. And then we see this girl that looks almost like Inga. Very pale, very short girl. Looks like the same t uh, race, if you will. Yep. So we've got no idea what her power is quite yet. But all of a sudden... Shinjuro's in a life switch. He a totally, completely different reality. He's a cameraman. Yep. And he's with these pretty girls. He's got a director smacking his ass around, demanding him. He's he's this guy's bitch. Basically, yeah. When did this happen? And this is honestly, I was very confused at this part. I I didn't know what the hell was going on. I in my notes I said, what the hell? Why are we in a alternate reality? Why is this story all about these three girls now? Yep, and there was a there was a missing man, right? Like he said, solve this. Uh, something like that. He said you're gonna need to solve the mystery in this. Yes, and nobody knows what the mystery is quite yet. But the director's very suspicious. He's abusive in a way, I guess you could yeah. say. And. Eventually, we all figure out the novelist put him in some mind game. Yep. Uh, and the director's very suspicious. Talking to the women behind a garage door is what it looks like. And somebody figured out his truth, it seems like, because he's not very happy. He's angry. Yep. And we come to find out the director's a guard. And there, it is actually a prison. And... The guard was meeting up with one of the girls, saying that he's going to get her out of there and this and that and break her out, this and that, yada, yada, yada. And um, Yuki Sindro wakes up out of nowhere again with a dead body in front of him, and it's the guard. Yep, it's the director. Director slash guard. Yep. So and now it's time for the greatest detective yep. to get to work. Yep. And that's where everything starts to come to light on what's going on. Yep, and Shinjuro's in this mind boggle too, where he thinks he did it out of rage. Yes. He he remember there's a flashback where yep, he thought he, he turned on a paper mache train. That's and how that's, it was a huge mind game. Yep, that's how uh how your mind works sometimes. You, yeah, you, can, you then, can lie to yourself to make you make yourself think it's the truth yeah but my mindset at the end of this episode was this was the most confusing shit in the world oh yeah and then we moved into episode eight and episode eight really cleared this up for me. a lot cleared yes. it up a lot a lot i uh i started to enjoy myself 
but at the end of episode seven and episode eight, it, that's where everything was. My notes got longer there. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever episode eight happened, we come to find out, or well, no, I assumed Shinjuro went into a dream or a coma sort of thing. Yeah. Right? But no, he actually just disappeared into this movie set because we learned in this episode that Betno's power is turning words into reality. Yes, which is which is what dope. the novelist had the power of. He yep. could write, say anything, and it would happen. Yep, that's how people would see it. It may not be the actual reality, reality, but that is the reality that he's speaking. And that's right. Uh, what's her name? Renroku's daughter. Re Ray Ray. Re. That's why she didn't have no memory of him because uh, they talked to the novelist right before they went and talked to Yuki, remember? Yeah. So I don't know how Shinjuro actually came to the conclusion that he wasn't actually the film was, recorder uh, anymore because he – what did he have? He, did he have handcuffs on handcuffs, and they shocked yep, him? Yep, they shocked the shit out of him. And it shocked him out of that fake reality. Yep. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, so uh, it was all just Kazumori's a, doing. Yep. So it was all just a hallucination, which was awesome to see. Yeah, it, it, was, was it was amazing. At first, it was like, "What the fuck?" But toward, they wrapped it up really well towards the end of it. Yeah. I I started to enjoy it at the end. Yep. And that was one of the questions that I had was, was the handcuffs really what did it? Was that it? Just shocked his brain into realizing that this isn't him. Yeah, that's what I gathered from it. Is uh, Kazumori gave the handcuffs to Rhea. Rhea, uh, and what's her name? That one chick is basically a cop. Yeah, because they were, what they have them dressed as. One of them was like a judge, the other was something else. Oh, I, I don't remember what it was anymore, but. it. Uh, they arrest, they were going to arrest Yuki and take it in for questioning or something. But then Kazumori shocked him and shocked him out of that reality. And then he put his handcuffs up to Rhea and shocked her right in the face. Yeah. So the director of the story was killed because Sayo, which is one of the actresses, but was actually one of the jailbirds. Yes. She. And that's the one that he was talking to behind. The, uh, yes, the that's who she door. that's who he was talking to behind the door. And he was trying to prevent her from letting it out that this was all just a yeah that was a ploy yeah so sayo the murderer does not realize that she's in jail no but she thinks that she's the star in this movie and she doesn't understand why the director is cutting her right and she, she doesn't pissed. want yeah she's pissed she doesn't want to leave she doesn't understand why she's the only one yep and she blames that a car train ran him over. Yeah. But it was actually her chopping him up the but, damn door. But that's the whole reason why she killed the director. Because she didn't want to leave the movie. Yep. So but now, she was actually in prison. Yep. And the guard was wanting to get her out of prison. Yep. So now we move on to episode nine. This one, the title automatically got to me. It was Kaisho Rinroku's Crime. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yep. They went all the way back to the second episode in the very beginning to where it was that computer guy trying to release the illegal song. Yep. That was the first scene, and I honestly really liked how they linked the episodes. 
Yeah, I they, thought these people were nobodies. They had. I thought they were going to be a one and done scene type of character. That's what I thought. Yep. So Renroku, so he got invited to a press conference, and he actually accepted. He doesn't do this normally. No, nope. he always does it over the computer video he, chat. He, he doesn't like to leave his house. No, he doesn't leave his house, and I think that he that's because he understands that there are people that are out there wanting to kill him. Yep. He has a lot of information, and he is probably one of the most well-renowned tech gurus out there. Oh, yeah, definitely. So he has all this information on everybody. He can see everything and anything going on at that moment in time. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know anyway. how he has this connection, but he's, he's got it all down. Like he sees everything, and that's how he solves these murders from home. He doesn't even have to leave his house. Nope. Like, oh, yes, we have Shinjuro, who has a godlike power with Ingo over here. And, you know, I don't know why he's the defeated detective. I guess it's because Renroku Ren Ren solves the cases before him. Is that why he's the defeated detective? I think he's the defeated detective because they never go with his. Have you noticed that that they didn't they don't ever go with his stuff? Yeah, they never go with it, so I don't understand. So they they always go with Rinroku's outcomes. Uh, uh, That's yeah. why they call him the defeated detective. I think that makes sense. But anyway, now we have Rinroku. He's at this press conference, right? Yep. Well, there's an explosion. Kaboom! The whole building. There's Kaboom. multiple injuries, yep. deaths, and. Everybody thinks that Renroku is the one who plotted this because he was leaving the building as it was happening. Yes. But Re is at home, and she's talking to her father while this is happening. Yes. There is now two Renrokus. Yep. So that right there lets you know that Betano is in control yes. of some sort of this episode. Yep. So Betano is involved again. Yep. And let's go ahead and move on to episode 10, because this is where this gets real juicy. Real juicy. Real juice. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this title got me too. Kaisho Renroku's Funeral. Yes. So Renroku got really injured. Everybody did. And the person that he had, was having the conference with is blaming him completely for this bomb. Yep. They're both in the hospital. And this is where I really feel like we learned that everybody hates Renroku. Everybody hates Renroku. Yes. And Shinjuro is on his ass to prove him guilty. Yes. Like, he wants him completely out of the picture, out of his life. He doesn't want to be the defeated detective anymore. And I think this is where we really feel it. Yeah. Like, there is a huge passion of hate that he has towards that man. Oh, he fucking hates that guy, but yeah. he likes to use his resources, though. Yep, no, he uses I his daughter agree. a lot. Yep, he uses it a lot. And Shinjuro is thinking, in my opinion, I think that Shinjuro is thinking that Renroku is in cahoots with Bet. Yes. Like, he's already got the plan, and he's right. Yep. Nobody knows this, but everybody, like, he is correct. Yep. This was my same assumption, too. Mine, too. So we missed a minor detail here, and that was that Shinjuro and Inga are no longer together. Yep, Inga left because they had a uh, disagreement. Shinjuro was too much too focused on proving Renroku guilty, and she ended up leaving him. So now all you now all Shinjuro has is the RAI bot with him. Yep, Kazumori. 
So we find out that Inga is working with Betanoden. Yep, getting hand-fed souls from Betano. Yep. that's That tripped me out. I didn't know. I I was like, why? I thought they were like enemies at first, but now she's getting hand-fed by Betano, which is weird to me. It is very weird. And now we know that Betano is more powerful than Inga. Quote-unquote, supposed to be more powerful. Inga can't get these souls, but Betano's hand-feeding them to her. She's on a godlike level. On that note, I think we got two different stories again. Because in the dubbed version, they come to find out that Betano ain't shit but a toilet bowl stain. Why do you say that? Because Inga thinks that Betano is a god, right? But then come to find out that Betano really isn't anything but just like Inga is. Betano is trying to be more than what she was. That's what I got from the dub version. I don't know, man. I'm completely... I got a completely different view of this. Alright, what's yours? To me, Betano is like an almighty form of Inga. Right. I, see, I can see that. Like I think that Inga... Is her peon. Right, that's what it's supposed to look like. No, I think that's how it is. We're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one, buddy. Uh, I guess so. Alright, let's get back to the episode. So, I'm seeing Betano. She's definitely involved in this. Rinroku's in the hospital, so is everybody else that lived through that explosion. Right. Everybody's blaming him, including Shinjuro. Yeah. And they're all trying to find him guilty right now. So as he's laying in the bed, he's got a final press conference coming out of the hospital, right? Okay, he does this press conference. He's going to leave the building. Everybody's dogging him with questions. Yes, and then he gets into this van. And what's funny about that press conference, it was an innocence press conference, but everybody's literally just hounding him about being guilty. Yep. This whole thing. Yep. So he, he leaves the hospital after this, and he gets inside of the van. And then kaboom. Kaboom. Blows up. We're at Rinroku's funeral. Yep. He feels bad because he's trying. He, do, he doesn't want to do this with his daughter. He doesn't want her to live through this. I wouldn't assume anyway. Right. All right. So now we're rolling into episode 11. Rinroku's dead. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. But. Everybody that was involved, basically, in his life so far to this point, was invited to a group meeting. Yep. Everybody got a special invitation with his stamp on it to prove who the bomber is. Everybody arrives, and everybody's wondering what is going on here. Who is going to lead this meeting? And all of a sudden, everybody sits down with their nameplate on a certain seat. And all of a sudden, there's panels in the table that flip over. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, all the there's a guys. bunch of fucking weapons. This is going to be a <laughs> damn battle royale. <laughs> I thought we was fixing to get down and dirty. But no, it didn't go that way. Nope, 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 not at all. And then all of a sudden, Renroku walks into the room. It's the real one. I guess since Ray could hug him, it is anyway. So right before Renroku showed up in this room, everybody was 
pointing fingers, blaming each other. And all of a sudden, Renroku walks into the room. And he introduces Shinjuro's old partner, Inga. So Renroku orders Inga to go get the truth from Shinjuro. But this is where we're also missing the backstory. She already asked Shinjuro the one question that she can ask him to get the truth out. So we're still missing a whole entire plot line. Yeah, because at the beginning of the whole story, I want to say he was in the war. Remember, because he said he was in the war and stuff. I think that's where they met, was he died, and then Inga brought him back to life somehow one way. That's what I gathered. No, you might be exactly right. Because there was blown up cars, there was like civilians around and stuff like that. That's just what I gathered. Yep, I'm in complete agreement with you. So we get back to the story and Renroku's there. He's got Inga questioning Shinjuro. Which don't work because he already answered her question long ago. That's right. So Inga's very impressed and happy that Shinjuro remembered and realized what the actual plot behind this whole thing was. You look back, and now Hiyama is the one controlling Betano. He was disguised as Renroku, and then Renroku decided to reveal himself. It was a plot between him and the what was it, the police force that he would swap out with a dead body that was already at the hospital that was missing. And then they swapped that dead body in the van, he blew it up, and then he disguised himself as a TV personnel kind of guy and escaped. Yep, and left. And that that same TV personnel person was at the meeting as well. Yes. And that's when he revealed himself as being the real Rinroku. And then when he did that, Betano's reality curse thing wore off of everybody yep, because, i think once there was two per- people yep, in one room yep everything two of the changed. same person can't be in the same room yeah or that the realities collide with each other basically and then the best part happens the fight scene between betano and inga they both t- turn into their monster forms and just duke it out yeah that was i'm more of an action man myself so this Surprised me a lot to see this type of scene in this type of show. Yep, so it, it was a badass fight scene. It was really cool to see. I was At, really surprised. Yep. After the fight scene, I, well, let me go back to this. Inga thinks that she's betting those bitch the whole entire time. Yep, basically. And then Shinjuro opens her eyes that Betano is not a god. Nope. So I think that honestly helped her out. Just to realize that she's just as strong. Yep. So after after the awesome battle, Miami got arrested and everybody else that was involved. And then the ending, Kaisho, Ri, and Shinjuro just parted ways, basically. But they stayed acquaintances. So it was a solid ending. Solid ending. Not too bad. I liked it. I liked it. The fight made it for me because I was just like, ah, oh, finally some fucking action. Every episode was hit and miss for me. Like, yeah. it was either a banger or it was absolute dog shit. And um, I, honestly, I spent 60% of this anime very confused. Very and I, I will rewatch it again someday. It'll probably be a few years down the road, but I will give it another shot. Now that I have a better understanding of what exactly is going on, 
there were just so many plot holes, terrible character development, and their direct. I feel like the director of the whole project itself uh, didn't know the direction that it needed to go. Well, I think he knew exactly what he was doing. That's the thing. He knew what he was doing, and I'm gonna give you my rating real quick of this. I'm just gonna give it. It's a solid six maybe a high six for me even though i was confused a lot of the time at the end i was able to replay it in my mind and i was able to understand the first few episodes that i was very confused in. and right. you know i didn't understand them at the time and i didn't enjoy them at the time but after i learned everything i learned to enjoy it well you even learned more than i did you went and got that prequel so episode. after episode two there were so many plot holes in this and i was so confused that i actually went back and did a little research to see if there was a prequel. Technically, yes, but it's a sequel that was a prequel that explained everything. And I'm not going to tell you guys and get into depth about this because I want you guys to go and watch it too because honestly, it was totally worth it for me. It made me understand every little thing. It, it introduced the team-up between Shinjuro and Inga. It introduced what happened with Inga, how Inga came to be. It introduced Betno. Really? It it did everything. It explained every little thing that you could think of. Well, I know what I'm doing this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to be wa watching episode zero so I can understand this better. Yep, so you guys go ahead and go watch that. I want to get Kyle's rating on this. What was your final rating of this? My episode? final rating, the way I did mine was I rated each episode uh, what I thought. I Not a technical rating, more of a personal rating. So what I did was I got all my ratings and I averaged them like they do in high school with our grades. <laughs> so I took all of my ratings and I divided it by 11 and it gave me a solid five. All right. So I give it a six. I give it, gives it a five. I would say that it was mine was really was a high six. I would give it a seven if I wouldn't have spent the first two episodes dreading myself. I would have given it a higher number. If I knew what was going on, I guess that episode zero really is a must have. Just so I know the background story of how everything came to be. Yeah. I still have I a lot think of questions you, unanswered. I think I, I really do think once you see episode zero, you're going to change your rating of this. But we're not basing this off episode zero because this was a complete season. Right. Exactly. So we're rating this based off of what we got given. Yep. Mine is a 5 out of 10, would not recommend. Mine is a 6 out of 10, would recommend for special minds, because I was mind-fucked the whole entire time. Yeah, definitely mind-fucked. Mind so, sure. everybody, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Next week, we are going to be watching Magical Girl Spec Ops Asuka. This is, on, this is streaming on Crunchyroll. And it has an average score of 6.05, released in January 2019. This is 12 episodes long. Thank you guys very much for joining us, and I hope we see you again. Okie okay, okay, Anime, anime out. out.